Welcome to Mood Readers, a book review podcast where three friends conquer their TBR list, eventually. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mood Readers podcast. Happy Smuts Giving! Yay! It's the best time of the year. It is the best, best time, time of the, of year. the year. We are just giving our smuts. We're giving thanks for our smut. Uh, I don't give are... a smut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to start us out, we are going to discuss our favorite romance trope versus our personal romance trope. So all three of us are married ladies up in here. So I want to hear about... (laughs) Very surprisingly. (laughs) I want to hear about what's your favorite romance trope and what if you could put like a summary or an actual trope on, on your love life, on your marriage. I can go first if you want me to go first. You should show us the way. (laughs) Okay, I will show you the way. Okay, so my favorite trope to read and to watch on TV is Enemies to Lovers. I love the banter. I just, I love it. And I especially love like true enemies, not just like people that bicker, like people that hate each other. And then, you know, then they end up loving each other. But how I would describe meeting my husband is I don't have like a a couple of words. I have like a sentence. This is probably like if you would, the sentence that you would read on the back of the book. Okay. Skeptic, non-committal party girl meets actual fraternity gentleman who may or may not prove her wrong. That is a fantastic trope. I love it. I would read that book. Yeah, I I would too. Actual fraternity, fraternity gentleman. It's very accurate. But it's yes. also very charming. It's like, aw, yeah, he is. He is a gentleman. He is. He was not the frat bag that I was used to. And oh, so God, when, is that a phrase? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I missed that. I missed that one in college. I don't think it existed when we were. Yeah. The, the listeners should know that we are slightly older than Nora, but apparently old enough that we missed important slang. Important things. And oh, God, it's just so evocative. I hate it. Yeah, you guys would have been out probably like at least two years around when that term was going around. It's a perfect term, though. Like, I'm kind of mad. That yeah. we didn't have that in our vocabulary. Super descriptive. Yeah, but I went through a lot of frat bags and then met my husband at a party. And I thought it was totally just going to be like another hookup. And then, you know, like, so, you know, we're married and have a kid. So here we are. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. All right. That's so not that's- really... That's not really enemies to lovers, though. That's more like, is that like opposites attract kind of or? No. So it is not enemies to lovers at all. So that was my, that's always been my favorite trope. And then I went a completely off, like a totally different way with my personal love story. And I I don't know what, I don't know what you would call it. I don't know if it's like friends with benefits to marriage. I don't know what, what that would be. I mean, because we were never really friends with benefits anyway, but oh my I don't God. know. This is the Smuts Giving episode. We are it here. Is. This we is are happening. Here. <laughs> we are smutting all over the place. Ah. 
well, already uncomfortable. I would argue that that is a classic love story as my marriage was also a failed one night stand <laughs> with benefits sort of arrangement. Let's do yes, this. Aries. I got tricked into feelings and emotions. Right. Me too. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night that night and went, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> you fire signs, man. <laughs> Oh yeah, maybe maybe it's uh maybe it's the stars. It's, it's probably the, the stars. stars. So my pro- my favorite sort of romance trope is, and Nora, you can tell me if it has an official label, but it's it's not necessarily. I guess it might be forced proximity, but when it's two sort of like people that don't really like anybody else. But they sort of like on a quest in a fantasy book or something, they have to spend time together and they sort of like begrudgingly have mutual respect for one another. And you can just tell like eventually like they're going to be a thing and they never talk about it and they're not like overtly romantic, but all of a sudden that's like their person. Yeah, I like that. Those are fun. I would say that probably is forced proximity and like a grumpy, grumpy trope. You know, like you hear grumpy sunshine. We've got like grumpy, grumpy. So that's that's my favorite romance trope to read about. That's what I love. And my marriage meeting, how it all got started, is definitely an enemies to lovers. <laughs> there was a time very early on before I even liked my husband where I was just flirting with people at the bar and I and he was there with a pitcher of beer and I like sauntered up and I was like are you going to share that with me and he flat out said no <laughs> and I straight up texted someone that it. night yeah he was just like no and then like looked no. off like there was no arguing and I was like Fuck, how, all right. how I can dare he yes. yes it was very much his wheelhouse it's perfect yes and so i ended up texting someone that night and i was like i'm out like don't ever let me talk about this person again they're a terrible human and this is like (laughs) i did not have a crush like i was just like not even friend like they're dead to me forever and then a year later i was my failed attempt at a one night stand <laughs> and uh now we've been married almost 10 years <laughs> yes that is a true enemies to lovers i love yeah. that That'd i didn't know that i didn't know that story <sighs> that's cute it makes me mad still thinking about it i know I, <laughs> I can see it on your face you're still mad where's that picture <laughs> He needs to split a pitcher of beer with me and pay yeah. for it. God, I can just hear his voice, you saying that, and him being like, no. <laughs> uh-huh. And you probably are not used to that. I know me at the bar, I would have been like, wait, huh? What? Because I was Literally, so... no one ever told me no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're all from the same sort of college town. You get to know people, especially during the summer when it's so small. Like, you get your, like, little crew, and everyone shares the good time. And, and the beer. the only person that ever said no. <laughs> especially with a pretty girl. I would I would have just been like, it, what? Excuse are me? You an alien i'm yeah. so confused yeah that is pretty much what happened that's why i sent that text i was like nope this is not a normal human <laughs> he's an alien <laughs> that's the real trope <laughs> yeah we've got an ice planet barbarians type yes situation that's oh, yeah. that's what it is i like that okay that emily 
Okay, I've been giving this a lot of thought and have zero actual answers. So, okay. So my favorite romance trope, as you guys probably know already, is the bad idea. He's the bad. You're not supposed to like him. You're supposed to like your nice, virginal high school boyfriend. But instead... With the you curly fall blonde for hair. The, yeah, and then instead you fall for like, you know... The terrible general or like the magicians you know whatever who's gonna take over the kingdom because he's too smoking hot and he oh and he has a troubled soul and you're gonna be there for him like oh he just needs somebody to love him that's my favorite trope unfortunately i married somebody who like although he does have like a dark hair situation going on like <laughs> he's like a really good person and it's very annoying <laughs> like he's all <laughs> it it is actually annoying even from like a friend perspective like when you want to bitch about something and then he's and like then he's oh, all there he's all kind like, and moral not that bad no it's not that bad no let's look at it from their perspective no Ugh, we're nobody probably the that. bad ones no we're the bad <laughs> no nobody asked for that husband all I wanted was for you to lead an army of the undead against my enemies and then you know we can do stuff after but like <laughs> Apparently that's not in the cards. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know. And like, I, I don't know if that would make us, first of all, so he's definitely not the bad idea. He's, he's quiet and surly, I guess, but he's, he, I think he might be a nicer person than me. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm the bad idea. <laughs> I cannot see that. I like, I might look bubbly, but I have lots of anger. I don't know. I just, okay. So this is the part where like, I will throw myself upon your mercy. If you guys have any like input, cause I feel like you're better at romance tropes than I am. I definitely A better fit. For me. I was the, and now Nora already said, because I was like, well, it's grumpy sunshine. Only uh, Emily is not sunshiny. <laughs> So, but she earlier said grumpy, grumpy, and that's how I would classify. Grumpy, grumpy. <laughs> so the way that we met, the way that we like sparked or whatever, is that we were friendly, like, hey, what's up? And then we went to the same party and everybody else was having a great time. And me and this guy were leaning against the same wall and we started making fun of the same people. <laughs> and he was super mean and really funny, and then he thought I was super mean and really funny, and then it was just, it was fate. It was destiny. So, two meanies get together. Grumpy, grumpy. Grumpy, grumpy. <laughs> I also think yeah. it's like a, I think it's a, a friends to lovers kind of thing. I think yeah. it's... It's a very much like your classic, that story. Because if I remember you guys' backstory, there is a little slight bit of a miscommunication thing that happens in there. So there mm -hmm. is kind of like the, the friends to lovers put in a miscommunication trope. But also, and I think you might could be grumpy to sunshine. Because in some areas where you're grumpy, he's sunshine. And then when you're sunshine, he's grumpy, just in different things. Yeah, we take but, turns. Or maybe like just grumpy to grumpy. But. <laughs> yeah, we definitely had a hot, a hot several months where we were just friends. And everybody else on the planet knew that we were more than friends in our hearts, but we didn't. And so we were like, <laughs> no, 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 we're just, we're just friends. It's not like that. It's not like that at all. Stop thinking that. But secretly, actually, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. I would, yeah. Okay. I would say friends to lovers. 
And then, uh, and then yeah, so nobody actually, nobody, nobody ever said friends to lovers. The friends had to be like peppy people. No, yeah. no, <laughs> no. We just sat around and made fun of the same people and thought each other was uproariously clever. And it was just, it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I can uh, totally see that. I can see like, you guys probably knew each other, knew of each other. And then one night it's like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest human I've ever met. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We both had like our own separate things that we were into in college. Like he was very much into his thing, and I was very much into my thing. And we never, I never had any interest in talking to that person because that was not like my thing. Mm -hmm. And then after college, we like made jokes, and it was like, oh, he's actually he's really funny and clever. This is great. Let's make fun of them. Nobody ever makes fun of them. (laughs) And he was really good at it. (laughs) Yes. So. And I'm not bad, so you know. <laughs> I do my fair share of making fun of people. A listener should know she's doing an actual hair flip. <laughs> yes, yes. That was fun. That was cute yeah, and that's fun. Good. Okay, so I guess now to get our reviews rolling on, Emily and I have True Smut books, but Jane is actually reviewing her Mood Wheel book. Yes. And so we're going to let her go first, and then we will carry on with uh, Smutsgiving afterwards. In our Smutsgiving smorgasbord feast, I am like <laughs> the weird canned jelly cranberry sauce that like always ends up at no. the table, but like no one's eating it. Oh, God, so that's a lot. That's, I don't know. That's what my non-smut book is bringing <laughs> to this episode. I'm sorry I, for smutsgiving. That was a really weird analogy. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm not old enough to be having this conversation right now where we're talking about eating canned cranberry jelly blobs. <laughs> I'm having too many visuals. <laughs> a lot of visuals. Oh, happy Smutsgiving, everyone. Okay. I have no idea where your minds are because I have not been in Smutland. So I have no no clue. My mind is definitely in the vagina. That's where my mind is. Okay. (laughs) Yep. There she just, yep. There you go. (laughs) In case we needed to clarify it. I'm reviewing a Nobel Prize winning literature. What? Serious? Oh my god! <laughs> if the if the book didn't win, it, at least the author won the Nobel Prize. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Happy Smutsgiving, everybody! Happy Smutsgiving! Oh man, we are professionals, professional literary critics here Definitely. in Mood for sure. land. Okay. 100%. So my mood wheel book was, um, in case we do not remember, it was in the thriller mystery category. And the title of the book is Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. Ah, amazing. It's a great title. It's a great cover. And it is by Olga Tokarczuk. That is as close as I'm getting with my pronunciation. Um, And I'm going to review this without naming any locations because I cannot pronounce them. (laughs) I can pronounce them in my brain, but not out through my mouth. So this book everywhere was described as a thriller, as a thrilling mystery. The Guardian named it one of the funniest books of the year. Chicago Tribune said a brilliant literary murder mystery. I have to say all of that stuff because this is not, and I guess I shouldn't be so surprised of a Nobel Prize winner in literature, but this was not 
a thriller book in the way that you think of thrillers. It's a winding, weaving adventure with the language and the text. It's translated from its original Polish. So it's been translated to English. It is about a woman who lives in this remote, remote village. Like in the wintertime, there's a couple of cabins and only like three people live out there. And it's like hard to get into town. So we're talking like crazy snow, isolation. And she lives out there. And someone, one of the three people who lives in the cabin dies. Seems like a normal death, choked on a bone from something that he was eating. (laughs) Sorry. And and it goes from there. And it was just so interesting because it doesn't read like a thriller. So uh, when you read a thriller, you're like waiting for the cliffhangers and the twists and the what happens next. But this book is just plods along in this world. It covers the span of like a year almost. And it's about this woman who is the narrator. She's got like these village friends, a few of them. She's like a batty old lady. And she calls people by like the names she thinks they should have. So the first person who dies is she calls Bigfoot. And then everyone in the village refers to him as Bigfoot. And people who like don't already know that that's his name, they think about it. And they're like, makes sense. Because I guess he had big feet. So she calls people by like their spirit names of what they should be. He has a friend named Dizzy, and he spends all of his time translating the poetry of William Blake. So that takes up a good portion of this novel. And at the same time, our narrator, she is into astrology. And so she's just always talking about the stars and their charts. She has this line in the book (laughs) where when... Like three of the stars, Mars, Neptune, and Pluto, I think, aligned one day. They showed the movie Alien on TV, and she was like, of course, it made sense. Like, that was the stars aligned in such a way that, of course, the TV showed Alien. So you've got this, like, really interesting, unreliable narrator in a death and then some other deaths that don't seem like murder. So when you're thinking of this as like a thrilling murder mystery, it it is not your traditional thrilling murder mystery because it just seemed like a narration on life in an isolated Polish village. So it, it was just one of the most fascinating reads for me because of the genre that it supposedly fit in, but didn't. That said... I had cast the narrator in this book as the batty organ teacher from our local university. <laughs> so that, if if you know, you know, that's who, in my brain, our narrator is. So that might help explain some of the eccentric portions of what's happening. <laughs> that sounds amazing when you think about... Your casting. Thank you. Yeah, because she only <laughs> describes herself as like old, but there's sort of no other description. You don't know how old, but she's living isolated, alone. She's got these weird nicknames for people. She's always going on about astrology and we don't know what's happening. But somehow throughout this book, there is a mystery, but it just, it's not in your face. Modern yeah. thrillers direct you to where, you know, you're going. And this book does none of that. So it, it was a really beautiful read. I have to say that at the end of this book, I honestly didn't care what the content of the book was because that's how beautiful the writing is. 
Like, it's the type that, like, I didn't care if I was reading the thriller or not because I was just so fascinated by, like, the pacing and flow of the writing that, like, she could have been writing about whatever and I would have been, like, here for it. So I just want to read. It's a section and it's a little long, but it's just um, an example of the type of Nobel Prize winning literature language that we've got going on. Sweet. Fancy. All right. Sparks come from the very source of light and are made of the purest brightness. So say the oldest legends. When a human being is to be born, a spark begins to fall. First, it flies through the darkness of outer space, then through galaxies, and finally, before it falls here, to Earth, the poor thing bumps into the orbits of planets. Each of them contaminates the spark with some properties while it darkens and fades. First, Pluto draws the frame for this cosmic experiment and reveals its basic principles. Life is a fleeting incident, followed by death, which will one day let the spark escape from the trap. There's no other way out. Life is like an extremely demanding testing ground. From now on, everything you do will count, every thought and every deed, but not for you to be punished or rewarded afterward, but because it is they that build your world. This is how the machine works. As it continues to fall, the spark crosses Neptune's belt and is lost in its foggy vapors. As consolation, Neptune gives it all sorts of illusions, a sleepy memory of its exodus, dreams about flying, fantasy, narcotics, and books. Uranus equips it with the capacity for rebellion. From now on, that will be proof of the memory of where the spark is from. As the spark passes the rings of Saturn, it becomes clear that waiting for it at the bottom is a prison, a labor camp, a hospital, rules and forms, a sickly body, fatal illness, the death of a loved one. But Jupiter gives it consolation, dignity, and optimism, a splendid gift. Things will work out. Mars adds strength and aggression, which are sure to be of use. As it flies past the sun, it is blinded, and all that it has left of its former, far-reaching consciousness is a small, stunted self, separated from the rest, and so it will remain. I imagine it like this, a small torso, a crippled being with its wings torn off, a fly tormented by cruel children. Who knows how it will survive in the gloom? Praise the goddesses. Now Venus stands in the way of its fall. From her, the spark gains the gift of love, the purest sympathy, the only thing that can save it and other sparks. Thanks to the gifts of Venus, they will be able to unite and support each other. Just before the fall, it catches on a small, strange planet that resembles a hypnotized rabbit and doesn't turn on its own axis, but moves rapidly, staring at the sun. This is Mercury, who gives it language, the capacity to communicate. As it passes the moon, it gains something as intangible as the soul. Only then does it fall to Earth and is immediately clothed in a body, human, animal, or vegetable. That's the way it is. Wow. And that is the language of this thriller mystery book. That that is not a thriller. It's not. It's And it's beautiful. But then it also is. So that's my sort of review of Drive Your Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. It is beautiful writing. It's confusing. And I would recommend this. If you're looking for something that's really writing-centric, then this is definitely the book for you. It's not it's not like an easy, you know, sort of accessible, like, don't make me figure things out. Just tell me what it is and I'll gasp at all the right places. Like, yeah. this was a confusing, muddled journey that I really enjoyed and I have continued to think about since I binge-write it a week ago. Cool. Huh. 
So is there a, like, are any of your, were any of your questions answered at the end of the book? Okay. It does. It does wrap up. Okay. That is good. I will say I have been on at least one moderately fancy book review committee and the ones that the committee loved and eventually the ones that were given the fancy awards were ones that were not only beautifully written, but deeply perplexing. Like, what is this? What is this book? Deeply perplexing is a beautiful, (laughs) it's a beautiful, it's not a negative. It's just a beautiful way. Like I was deeply perplexed while reading this book, but but in a great way. Yeah. But like beautifully written, deeply perplexing, super odd genre mushing work of art. And those were the ones that would win. And that doesn't surprise me that she's a Nobel prize winner. That's, or is it winner or nominee or winner? Winner, no less. Okay, yeah. Wow. All right. That is super intriguing. Yeah, when we when we spun the wheel and it landed on this, I feel like we were expecting some kind of bloody, gory, twisty, you know, yeah. thing. I honestly was too. All I knew about it was I love the cover. It has the little non-removable sticker that says winner of the Nobel Prize in Literature. And I purchased it from my favorite independent bookstore in Asheville, North Carolina, Malaprops, and it was a staff recommendation. Nice. Those were the three sort of facts I knew about it. <laughs> and <the laughs> and one, of them, one of them was pretty cover. <laughs> yeah, the title <laughs> is badass. It really badass. is. Yeah, and then I read up on some of her other works. She's got one called Flights. And it interweaves reflections on travel with an exploration of the human body as it negotiates space and time. And it sounded like really interesting as well. And that one is the winner of the Man Booker International Prize. Dang. And a finalist for the National Book Award in translation. Oh my God. Anyways, so um, I will be reading other works by this author. But she's just sweeping them all. Right. She's sweeping them all. Her her writing, it, it was almost like um, meditative, like the way I read it. Like you sort of got like sucked into this thing. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, what's happening? That's suspicious. But like you were sort of like lulled into this yeah. false sense. It was really good. And I will read more. But like for mood readers, if you're not in the mood for this, this is not the book for you. I will say that. Like this was definitely, this was not like a quick, dirty, get in, get out, satisfy my itch sort of thing, you know. So yeah. perfect for Smutsgiving. Perfect for Smutsgiving. <laughs> a slow burn book. The yeah. payoff was worth it in the end. But at the beginning, you're not sure you're having a good time. <laughs> That sounds perfect for Smutsgiving, actually. That's great. <laughs> I think this book is like the antacid that you need after you That's a better your, analogy. Your Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> than the gloppy cranberry. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you spend a week only eating from the same bag of chips for dinner every night because you just can't bring yourself to, like, do real dinner. And then by the time you get to the weekend, you're like, I need a carrot. Yeah, and vegetables. also some like roast chicken that somebody mm-hmm. has lovingly crafted for me. Sometimes you need that. Yeah. I like the chips, but you know. I like yeah. the chips too, but my body does crave <laughs> the vegetables every that, once in a while. Yeah, that happens every, to me. Every once in a while, we just need um, a salad over here in my body. Yes. 
See, I hate salad, so I feel like we're describing this book as like a chore, but it sounds amazing. It just sounds like you have to be in that zone, you know. For those of you who love salads, I'm sure that sounds great. I don't know. Yeah, I like <laughs> salads. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's, like not a, it's not a stay at the dinner table until you've right. finished your plate right. type. It's definitely not. Listen, we all you have the freedom. You can put it down, but I wouldn't. I was I was swept up in whatever the hell was happening. I that don't awesome. I don't see myself ever reading that. I um would not I, necessarily push it on to you. <laughs> I think that it sounds amazing, but I struggle getting through like my smut and my beautiful other fantasy books. I cannot see myself, you know, getting through a book like that. I would totally read something like this once a year. So. Yeah. That's yeah. I do that, but you know, that's so cool. Okay, so Emily, what have you read? Oh boy. Okay, guys. So <laughs> here's the thing. I love Muddy Smutmas. Like it's great. But I, th you know, I thought like Sarah J. Moss smut level of smut was like daring. You know, like oh, they're gonna do it. Wow, this is so great, and it is great. But like that's not smut. <laughs> like no. <that's> nope. <laughs> That's not smut. I thought it was, but I was wrong when I read my very first Kindle Unlimited labeled erotica book. And yes. like, I don't know how to like even talk about this. Like, what if, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but let's just say that A Ruin of Roses by K.F. Breen is officially a smut series. Yeah. And many smutty, smutty things happen. And it's kind of distressing in a in a pearl clutching like oh god kind of way like I'm not describing this well. I'm oh, I this. love it! I'm gonna take notes because I intend on getting Kindle Unlimited so that I too can partake. Yeah, hey, KU is where it's at when it comes to smut. We are yeah. thankful for Kindle Unlimited here <laughs> at Mood Readers Podcast. Smuts giving sponsored by Kindle <laughs> Unlimited. <laughs> Gosh, I wish. Please. Please. <laughs> I literally read four of these books on Kindle oh Unlimited for free. So, yeah. Yeah. And I will say that, like, Nora is the one who was like, oh, you want some smut? You need to download <laughs> Kindle Unlimited. And then and then she was really smart, too, because she knows the algorithm. So she's like, search for this title. You don't have to read it, but it's going to suggest some other smutty titles for you. Mm -hmm. And that's eventually how I found this one. Okay. So... <clears throat> I'm just clarifying that I have like a level of discomfort talking about smut. Um, <laughs> as her voice goes up higher and higher. <laughs> it is all right. As the uh, raised Catholic in the group, I'm probably going to blush the whole rest of this podcast. Oh though. my God. Why did we do this to ourselves? I'm not going to go into any detail. Probably. What? Okay. Please. So, well, yeah, we'll see. Okay. So we're here. Doing... It's, it's smut mess. We're here for it. It's Smutsgiving. We have to. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Smutsgiving. Um, well, we could do Smutmas too. I mean, you know. Okay. So here's the deal. A Ruin of Roses is pitched as a deliciously dark, quote unquote, Beauty and the Beast retelling. So I'm thinking, you know, quiet, bookish heroine and super smoking Henry Cavill transforms into a beast and they like do it in a castle. But I was wrong because <laughs> this book, this series is... So much more than Beauty and the Beast that I kind of forgot that it's a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Basically, and I'll explain the premise because the uh, Goodreads synopsis is terrible. Our heroine, Finley, it's high fantasy. 
So we're in a magical kingdom and we're in a kingdom of shifters. So everybody in this kingdom can shift from a person to whatever animal is like their soul animal, kind of. There could be a dragon, there could be a wolf shifter, anything. The catch is that the whole shifter kingdom is under a terrible, terrible curse from the demon king, from the demon kingdom. And he has trapped all of them in their human form. So by the time Finley is born and grows up to be 20-something, she's like 23, she has no idea what her animal is. She has all this power and potential trapped within her, but nobody in her kingdom can shift. They're all trapped by this terrible curse. And there's this terrible plague that is part of the curse. But Finley is really resourceful and cool, and she found a magical plant. And she has carefully, like, curated it and, like, researched it and studied it and made potions with it until she has figured out a cure for this plague. And so, like, she's, like, a hard worker and she's smart and she's a gardener and, like, she's kind of a potions person. Then somehow in the course, this is a little bit Rapunzel-like, in the course of her trying to get more of this magical plant, she accidentally um, intrudes on the kingdom territory of the enchanted castle where the center of the curse is. And the shifter prince captures her and carries her back to his castle for intruding upon his lands. So that's where you're like, okay, all right, Beauty and the Beast. Okay, cool. Yeah. But the thing is, so the prince is a shifter, but he's so powerful and awesome and full of muscles that he can shift. So he is a dragon shifter. Yes. Beautiful golden dragon prince. Oh, perfect. He's smoking hot. He looks an awful lot like Henry Cavill as the Witcher. It's uncanny. Of course. Of course. And, <laughs> and he's so broody. He's so grumpy. He's so tortured. And he's doing everything he can to save his kingdom and break the curse. But, you know, for mysterious reasons, he had to capture Finley and take her to his castle. It is something about fulfilling the curse to try to break it. Blah, blah, blah. What I find interesting about this series and that what makes it not just like super gushy in a bad way is that Finley is a fucking badass. Finley by the fourth book, I would say is as bad, if not badder than the dragon prince. Yes. Terrifying. And she is funny and like snarky and she's a fucking badass. Like she's a shifter. So in the course of her book series, I don't want to give anything away, but that she comes into her own power. We'll say that. Sweet. And she's just fucking awesome. And like, she does some amazing, like, I don't know, some awesome action sequences. And before I get into the smut, I will say also, I picked this book up for the smut. I was like, okay, Kindle Unlimited, let's see what you have to offer under erotica (laughs) and fantasy. And I thought I was just going to be reading this to get like from one scene to the next scene, if you know what I mean. (laughs) But then I got like swept up into like the story of the dragon shifters and the the shifter kingdom trying to break the demon curse and then like how she does that and like tries to do it. And then there's a whole war situation and like, oh my God, it was so good. So I kind of would like forget and then it would be like smut scene. (laughs) <laughs> oh right okay yeah we gotta that's why okay, i gotta I'm, do that's this i'm reading this that's yeah, why yeah. i'm reading this okay right 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 but if we could get that back to the magic that would be great oh that's my favorite kind of smut yeah it's like yeah that sounds amazing it's actually really i told you i read four books <laughs> like not stop it's very i don't know i care about all the characters it's really funny annoying not annoyingly but like i'm it's like annoying that she figured out a way to do this the author incorporates the sex magic in with the plot of the story. So the smut 
is like important to the plot. Huh. Oh, yeah, I like that. There's a lot of like, and it, it actually is very kind of like Witcher, like like ritual magic kind of stuff, and then like mm. physical magic, and they have to do it to like break this curse, and it I don't know. And then there's like true soulmates and imprinting and all that good stuff. That oh, man. I love that. I love mates. Mates. Oh yeah. Oh, it's such a big deal with mates. I and there's a mates. lot of like, yeah, it's that's one of my favorite things. So that's what this book series is like. My other caveat is that if you want to read this series and you want to see some smut, you need to read at least the first two books because there is no penetration happening in the first book. That's okay. Are there yeah, like... I mean, it's fine, but... Are there, are there sexual things that happen besides yes. penetrate? Okay. I can yeah, handle okay. that. There are okay. smutty events that occur, but by the end of the first book, it's super frustrating. Like... <laughs> Right. Not enough smutty events. But the second book. I like a slow burn. But when I mean slow burn, I mean like slow to where, you know, I I need something. I need you to give me something more than just like a hot makeout scene. Which I've I've read lots of books where it's still great and all I've gotten is like them barely kissing and it's fine. But if it's, if we are labeling it as erotica, you got to give me something more than just a makeout scene. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some. Well, okay. There's some makeout scenes. They're just not necessarily making out with each other's faces. Yes, I am. I am here for this reading. Oh, it I can't believe I said that on a podcast. <laughs> um, I am so, so yeah. proud of you. <laughs> it's like it's intense, but the second book is where all the crazy shit hits the fan. Part of the catch in this book series is that the demons, uh, there are sex demons. And they're bad. Like, the sex demons are part of what's in They're bad dudes, and they're part of what is imprisoning the kingdom. Because when a sex demon shows up, everybody gets all, like, hot and sweaty. And they don't think about how to break the curse. They think about the hot sex demon. And it's not good, clean, like healthy attraction it's like gross magic yeah but one of the offshoots of that of the castle just being chock full of sex demons is that everybody is just doing the craziest shit possible like they're all just super wound up and you know doing stuff everywhere (laughs) it's crazy does it seem like stuff that would actually happen like is none of the sex demon stuff does but okay. then, like, some of the choices that our main characters make, yes. But it's, ugh, I don't know how to talk about this. There's a lot of smut. There's, like, a whole bunch of scenes in the second book. Like, it's yes. crazy. So, yeah, I'm, if you are here for the fantasy, you don't like bad writing, but you want a whole bunch of smut, you should read books one and two of A Ruin of Roses by, what was her name again? A.F. Breen. I don't know if I made it sound very good or not. It's... No, you I, don't. Oh, I, yeah, you convinced me. Yeah. By the end of the fourth book, I was, like, sad that my friends were gone. But also, they're hot. Like, it's... It, I don't know. <laughs> I've read, like, one other smut book where I was like, okay, could we just stop talking? <laughs> like, let's, let's skip to the good stuff. But this was not like that at all. Except for the first whole book. Okay, so are there more books coming? Or did she end it at four? Oh, I don't know. I don't actually know that. That is a good question. I should probably find that out. I should have probably found that out, you know, before we started recording IDK. Uh, (laughs) It's fine. But yeah, I I actually got to a point where I had to like stop reading it because my, I was starting to like dream about like all the stressful dragon magic stuff. Like it's intense. 
I didn't realize that 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 stuff was was this series. I guess I thought you were reading a totally different series that involved shifters and no. And, and see what I think is really cool about this, other than Finley just being the main character being awesome, is that like usually in Beauty and the Beast, there's this weird, super weird like beast edge to the yeah. You know, where you're like, that's I'm not gonna look at that too hard because you know that might say <laughs> I don't know. But because Finley is a shifter herself, it's not like that. It's more like, it's not like this weird, odd thing. It's more like these two shifters found each other and now they're going to like bring out their own power and, and, you know, bring each other up and help break the curse and free their animal and, you know. Oh, I love that. It's good. I I like it. When I was um, growing up, I read all the L.J. Smith books, which uh, for our modern listeners is what Vampire Diaries was based off of. Oh. Um, I had all of them. And in her book, she always had like the three. It was vampires, witches, and shapeshifters. And I was always team shapeshifter. Like if I had to choose one of those, like I want to be a shapeshifter. Like if you gave me those three as an option, like sign me up. Let me turn into a Black Panther already. I definitely made my, I definitely forced my husband to tell me exactly what animal he thought I would shift into if I could be a shifter. What was his answer? His answer was a hawk, which I accept. Ah, I love that. That's cool. I like that Because, you know, it it can't be too powerful because that wouldn't be genuine. It also can't be too weak because then I would kill him. But a hawk, (laughs) it's not bad. Um, Yeah, I didn't explain any smutness at all. Like, just suffice it to say that, like... Finley does some voyeuriseming, and then she does some smutting herself. So, like, all of it happens. Everything you can imagine. Into it. Here for Smuts all over the place. Yeah. And I I actually really like it. It's actually pretty well written. So. That's awesome. Highly recommend. As long as you're not, like, somebody that went to church with me when I was a kid. In which case, don't read it. So I would, I don't know if I could ask my husband what animal he thinks that I would shift into because I only have like two possibilities. And if he got that wrong, then we would have to (laughs) divorce. That's why my husband hates these questions because he's always like, I don't know what the right answer is. I I once tried to ask mine, like, what what is my scent? And he was just like, never ask me another question like that. (laughs) (laughs) When we were all reading Akatart together. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's a big thing in this one, too. He smells like pine woods and lilac in the summer breeze. And she instantly recognizes his scent because they're soulmates. Maybe. Who knows? It's Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. I love okay. it. Well, since we're this okay, so my my smut giving book is a bit darker than this. So I am reviewing the Vicious Lost Boys series. I'm not gonna like there'd be way too many spoilers if I, you know, really got into the entire series. So I'm going to read the Goodreads synopsis of the first book which is The Never King, and the series is by Nikki St. Crow. The stories were all wrong. Hook was never the villain. For two centuries, all of the darling women have disappeared on their 18th birthday. Sometimes they're gone for only a day, some a week or a month, but they always return broken. 
Now, on the afternoon of my 18th birthday, my mother is running around the house, making sure all the windows are barred and the doors locked. But it's pointless, because when night falls, he comes for me. And this time, the Never King and the Lost Boys aren't willing to let me go. Yeah. <laughs> and this actually, this actually came out in March of this year. Okay, it also says... The Never King is a dark retelling of Peter and Wendy. If you like your enemies to lovers romance with hot, ruthless, morally gray love interests, you'll enjoy The Never King and the Lost Boys. You can expect hate kissing, fighting, bickering, and touch her and I'll unalive you vibes. Oh, yeah. I like so, that. The way, the way they call it the Never King and the Lost Boys, it feels yeah. like it's going to be like a gangbang type. Yeah, it situation. really does. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. Well, this no, is. Reassure me. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, this is, this is some of the. I'm trying. Okay, this is some of the most taboo smut I have ever read. Oh my. my! Just to put it are that way, so hot. No, I've been <laughs> drinking wine, but they're so hot. <laughs> we haven't even dug into anything yet. Here. I'm already uncomfortable. Okay, but this is a this is a dark romance. This is a dark reverse harem, and I typically love reverse harems. So if you if you're if you're not familiar with that term, it's like a harem is usually a a group of women who belong to a man and then he has sexual relationships with them. Okay, so the reverse is that all these men have sexual relationships with the female. So I I typically am into that. This one was some of this stuff is so taboo that I I mean, I did not enjoy reading the smut sections, but I enjoyed like reading the book. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna kink shame anybody here. We're we do not ick anybody's yums. It's it's not something that I would enjoy doing. It's not something I typically really enjoy reading. It's a lot of so okay, so we've got Obviously, Peter Pan and Wendy retelling situation. Instead of Wendy, our main character is Winnie. We have uh, Peter Pan. Nora, you picked the books with the worst female character name. I know. I kind of hate her name. You I got to put it on the list. <laughs> I wish Bright they would have. <laughs> I know. I wish they would have just Ellie. named her Wendy. I wish she would have just been Wendy. But yeah, her- Wendy's a fine name. Her grandmother or something in the book series is Wendy. The Wendy. So, I I don't know. We got, but we have Winnie here. Is it the same Peter Pan, though? Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, no, 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 no. That's not. Oh, my God. So, it says they're brought back broken, but it's not necessarily, it's, they don't, he doesn't have sex with all of them. Okay. Generation. Two centuries of generation. Oh, (laughs) jeez. He does not have he does not have sex with all of her ancestors, okay? Um, her entire family. It actually Good. is we'll cross that off the list. That's yeah. great. They actually have a rule of not they call them the darlings. They they are not supposed to have sex with the darlings. But this one I guess isn't is our exception. So we've got Pan. We've got two hot twins. We've got twins. 
And yes. um, their names are Cass and Bash, and they are Faye. And then we've got this, we've got a guy named Vane, and he's like a dark, scary guy. He's got like, you know, Peter Pan, there's a thing with shadows involved. And so he's got like a shadow inside him, and it's a dark shadow or something like that. Okay, so Wendy loves to be told that she's like a slut she loves some slut shaming and so that it's a lot of like oh you're such our you're our dirty slut they're all they're like very much bullying her all this stuff a lot of rough sexual things happening but she loves it that's the thing i i could i could read it because she was a thousand percent into it and so I'm like, okay, Winnie, I'm only okay with this because you are, but cool. Um, and so let, people- let me know if you're not okay and we'll stop. <laughs> we'll stop. <laughs> you can tell me. Like, just you, like, smoke just, signals with your eyes. Just tell me if you want me to stop. Give, I'm, I, I'm okay. Give me a safe word, Winnie. <laughs> oh, and God. We'll, we'll stop this right now. Okay, so that... The reason why I like it is I've always loved Peter Pan, especially the one that came out when I was in middle school with Jeremy Sumter, and, like, I was in love with him. So I'm basically just picturing, like, an older version of him the entire time. Okay, so this is a series review. Over time, you get more, like, in the second and third book, you're getting more Peter Pan elements added in. We've got all this shadow situations going on. Um, There's an evil Tinkerbell, which I appreciate. I love that they brought out the evil Tink side because I feel like people think Tinkerbell's this, like, sweet, goody-goody thing. She is not. She Um, was a little nasty in the cartoon. Yeah, she was. She was definitely, like, has an edge. Yeah, she's a little bitch. Mm-hmm. And um, and we've got Hook. And then we've got Croc. He shows up in the third book. And not like an actual crocodile. He's like a person. Why so, do I feel like Croc is the hottest of characters? He might be. But I don't. I haven't had that much of him. He is obsessed with the actual real Wendy. I don't know. We're not there yet. Uh, grandmother. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know if we were oh ready gosh, for I just said, I just said the grandmother, like the flowers in the attic, how they call her the grandmother. <laughs> like that just popped in my head. Mm-mm-mm. I think this Wendy, it's really confusing. I think this Wendy actually somehow remained young. She might even be like a great aunt. I'm, I don't know. I probably got it wrong. I don't know. So Winnie becomes like kind of a badass she starts as this like really weak wimpy character and then who loves slut shaming and then ends up being like a badass oh one thing i'm i meant to point out is though there there is slut shaming they treat her like what somebody would consider crap in the bedroom but she's into it but outside of that she's totally like their queen like they're obsessed with her treat her extremely well very protective of her and so there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of taboo sex but there's also a lot of sex that has me trying to figure out if it would actually work oh my god (laughs) (laughs) like Um, physically there's well in in real in the real world it wouldn't work because they're flying 
okay. Sure. All right. Well, you know. So there's there's this sex where Peter is flying with Wendy. And so they're flying and having sex while they're flying. But then we're going to remember this is a reverse harem situation. This is a flight risk already. Where <laughs> we have three people flying in the air having sex at the same time. So we are going to take oh my these God. action figures that I have stolen from my husband's man cave. And we are going to try to figure out if it might actually work. Your husband I, is going to be so mad when he finds out this is why you <laughs> borrowed his action figures. <laughs> this is incredible because I thought this... The flying sex in Agatar. I was like, that wouldn't work. How do you that have sex and fly it? Like, that physics won't work. And now you're trying to add in a third body to the mix. Uh-huh. That's just too much. That's a lot. So I had to, my husband's got all of these action figures in his room. And I had to be like, okay, <laughs> but I need one that can really spread her legs. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, also, why is Wonder Woman the one that can spread her legs? I feel like yeah, that's sexist. That's sexist. Okay, well, there were other ones. Okay, Wonder Woman isn't... The other ones could, but they had capes that would get in the way. And you'll see why <laughs> we need to make sure that the capes cannot get in the way. So, we've got Wonder Woman. Uh, I'm going to say Superman's going to be safe. Okay, for the- so it's Peter Pan. We don't have wings. We can fly because of the fairy dust, right? Like Kind of. It, he basically has a shadow that can make him fly. Sure. It's a little different. So... <laughs> So we've got Peter Pan here. Batman. Yeah. This is how I think that they're doing it. Okay. So Wonder Woman is doing like a straddle situation onto Batman. So I'm guessing Batman's kind of holding her like this. Batman's a good deal. This Batman's smaller than Wonder Woman, but you know, whatever. If they were having sex standing up and she's like straddling him, like legs around the waist. I am never going to be able to look Batman in the face ever again. <laughs> just so you know. Or Wonder Woman. So we've got we've got a P in the V situation here. And then we've got Superman coming up. And I, I cannot figure out how we're going to do this. Okay, we might have to put Batman's legs back here. Oh my God. This will work. Remember, they're flying, so we don't have to really be <laughs> standing on anything. Okay. But then also we've got Superman back here also putting a P in the V. Wait, I thought both P's are in the V. Both P's, both P's are in the V's. When I first read the read this part, I thought one of the P's was in the B. Yeah, v. that's what I thought you were gonna say. I yeah, yeah okay. So well, no. I, I I had to go back and reread it because I was like, wait, I just kept thinking and trying to visualize how this would work. I guess this is what's happening right here. This is the weirdest thing I've I ever seen. <laughs> I don't think it's like this because he's all like, I'm pretty sure I remember they're like breathing anyway. So uh, just for the listener, uh, Superman for a second flipped upside down. So he and Batman were sort of 69 position with Wonder Woman in between. Oh my God. But we've decided that wouldn't work. That's not what happened here. Okay. So I think, okay, this is what I think is happening. If I remember correctly, it's been a few weeks since I read this book. I think Wonder Woman is basically sitting on top of Batman, but then you've also got Superman in a position where he is also kind of sitting on, on Batman's legs. And then we've, got two p's in a v and then we're all 
Wee! <laughs> what if you like run into a tree or something? Who is uh, driving? Like who's steering? Well, the shadow uh, is the shadow in charge. Oh, we God. have at this point we have two or three shadows involved with these people, so everybody can fly at this point, especially the men and. Do not worry, mood readers, because I am going to do some type of video recreation of this for Excellent. you. I don't I get... have to I have to say false unless, oh, unless God. the vaginas are different in the Darlene household. I don't know. She talks about how much it hurts. Uh, so, uh, yes. But she likes it, so whatever. But I just can't I can't see it. I can't I don't think it's real. I don't think I, it can happen. I keep wanting to say I feel like we need a diagram, but I don't want to see it. Like I don't want to see the diagram. No, we need we need like one of those super scientific ones where there's like, yes. like very dry and sciencey. Yeah, I oh I need Nikki okay. St. Crow to describe like with more detail than she did in the book what how physically like, you know, also why <laughs> why, why not just she enjoyed it i guess but here's uh. here's the thing we've already got a situation because reverse harem taboo stuff we've already, already got a situation in one of the other books or even at, at some point where we have a p in the v and a p in the b in the back so like why can't that that just seems more manageable to me Especially while flying. Then while flying. (laughs) Who is steering? Uh, They both are. I think they're way up in the south. I didn't mean like that. There's... They're way up in the clouds. Nobody, you know, no trees, whatever. Oh, They're just God. maybe some poor bird is <laughs> just like flop. <laughs> All right, I, I snorted my beard, Jane. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you think about isn't there which don't don't uh, the ships come from the sky in so many of the uh, Peter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's only the i think it's the only people with the neverland shadows okay are there more than just those three people i'm Uh, just trying to picture if there's like a risk of like you're just going on your morning flight no i think they're the only you cannot unsee they're (laughs) the only ones that can fly Oh, that's good. Okay. As far well, as as far as we are now in book three, book four comes out at some point. Who knows? <laughs> so book one came out in March, and since then two more have come out. Yes. All oh. right. Giving the people work? what they want. Yes. Apparently. <laughs> Which is uh, three some flying sex. Flying. Two oh, P's man. and a V. <laughs> two P's and a V. Is that what the people want, though? That's what uh, Winnie wants, and that's all that matters. I guess so. Ah, I'm bad at discussing this. I can't stop laughing. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty wild. I told you, this is the most taboo smut I have read. I know a lot of people who have read way more smut than me, but I feel like I've read a a fairly decent amount. And so this one had me like, what is happening? Like, literally. 
how is this, how <laughs> is this happening? And oh that God. was that was the only the other ones I could kind of figure out. Okay, well this is this is how that would work. But this one I was just like, absolutely not. We can't do that. <laughs> you reread it to be like, I, wait a minute, what? I did. I had to go back and be like, wait, let's read this again. It was even more, uh, you know, I was gonna say magical, but not just like not real. Mystifying. <laughs> Myst- mystifying. Mystifying. Yeah. I'm mystified. Like that's you guys well, you don't I have a shadow to- self. I so. don't. Yeah. I try to pretend like I'm so cool and I'm so like world weary and I know stuff. And I'm like, I don't. I'm not. I'm not cool. <laughs> uh, this is way past <laughs> I can read with a straight face. I'm so lame. I don't know if I had a straight face. I was probably reading most of it like very confused. I probably had (laughs) some some wrinkles because of the expression of my (laughs) face while reading this series. So this is probably not a read in public type situation. No. (laughs) And if you can't control your face. No. Or your blush. Yeah, no. The hardcore ladies can read smut in public. Like it's like a a guidebook, like a how to build a tree house. Like it's the most (laughs) boring. You know, they're like straight faced and they're reading the filthiest shit. Yeah. I I try I did read my series on my phone and I would try to because I was obsessed with it and I would try to read it and then around other people, I like I I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. (laughs) Like it was just too I was just blushing too much. Yeah, I also struggle with like reading smut with my child in my lap. Yeah, or, or like he's sitting there, and I'm like, I can't, I can't read I can't. this while you're right here. No, <laughs> you are ruining it. this for me. You are ruining this. Hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, so now that our reviews are done, I believe it is that time for the mood wheel. All right, so we are choosing for Jane. Let's see what it decides. It chose graphic novel. Oh, cool. That is cool. Okay, so now let's look at the list. Jane's TBR is so long. Okay, so for graphic novel, we have Lore Olympus, I'm guessing, volume one? Yes. Okay, Lore Olympus, volume one, My Friend Dahmer, and Heartstopper. I know which one I want to pick because I've read Laura Olympus Volume 1 and 2 and loved them. But, Emily, what do you think? I, I would be interested in hearing about Laura Olympus. I am super scared of Dahmer, like, to the point that, like, I don't even... I love true crime and I love serial killer podcasts and I can't do Dahmer. So I'm going to vote no on that one because <laughs> I'm a big wimp. But, yeah, I would be interested in hearing about, okay, about but- Laura Olympus. You have to admit that Dahmer would be great for Thanksgiving. <laughs> what? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I'm unwell. I'm unwell. It's the worst ever. I quit. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so not Dahmer. So not, we're not doing Dahmer. I've always wanted to read Heartstopper, so I would like to know your thoughts on that. But I also really love Lore Olympus and would want to talk about it. Well, you two have to pick. I can't I pick. Oh, you- okay. Well, let's do Heartstopper since you've already read, since Nora's already read Lore Olympus. Um, mm, I, I was going to say the opposite. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that then. Let's do what Nora says. <laughs> 
no idea. I'm still upset about Dahmer and Thanksgiving <laughs> and flying and okay, how many yeah. peas are involved. Like, I can't, I don't know. I'm a so, lot has happened over this a episode. Lot has <laughs> I, let's go with L- Laura Olympus Volume what? 1. In the spirit of smuts giving, there's not really any smut there, but it's a, it's a sweet love story and a lot of things happen. Um, and we'll give Emily something to look forward to because it's a Hades Persephone <gasps> situation. One of my favorites. That's that one of my all time favorite romance tropes. That will I'm help. Um, and I know our local library has that one. I actually have access. I've borrowed the first two volumes. Everything I put on my TBR is stuff that like I have in my possession. So, and you have you way more books have, than me. You have not read them. Wow. wow. Uh, no. And I also, <laughs> I know this is why we're doing this podcast. I need to be forced <laughs> to read my books. You know, you know why I haven't read them. I borrowed them from a friend and they were like, they're so good. And so I have them in my possession. But what happens is I also borrow a ton of books from my local library. So those books come in and I'm like, oh, they have a deadline. So I have to read them first. My friend can wait. And then I just then put more books on hold with my library. So they just keep sending me more books. (laughs) 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 So the library is ruining. It's really to blame. Yeah. Look, that's the library's fault. Not not me. I'm I'm similar. I put like fifty-seven books on hold while after three glasses of wine the other night just because it was <laughs> it, it felt necessary. It felt necessary. It felt necessary. This is good though, because I got two books that I've been waiting for for like months on hold and they just got delivered on my library um ebook app. And instead I am halfway through book two of Cruel Prince series. So, yeah, that seemed to work out for everybody. <laughs> it's, Listen, it's Libby does not control you. Libby does not tell me what to do. Okay, I tell Libby what to do. Borrow that book, let it expire, send it back. <laughs> and then 35 <laughs> people are waiting, so it'll be another year before you can get it again. Yeah. <laughs> there is a book that I have literally waited a year for, basically. And this is not the first time that I've gotten it. And then, oh, wow. Let a it go. Book. I actually just got a book that is probably the longest hold that I've had. Um, and for the listener, my library will mail books. So these are physical books. And don't worry, I have the same problem when all of your Libby book titles come available at once that happens to me with the library books like i'll get them a couple a day every day for like a week and then i have 10 books in my house physical books and i'm like what oh what god is happening? what have but i done the so the one that i've waited the longest in line for and it took forever that i just got is uh legends and lattes so i'm very excited to read that one i want to read that one i saw that at the bookstore the other day i'll let I you know to. Just embarrassed that you guys know all the new books before I do. I just my brain is just too busy to find new books. Like sure, it's That's, too that makes sense. 
It does. Okay. <laughs> All right. It does. So, our brains are so empty that we're oh, able no. to. Oh, no. Okay. No. All right. All right. That's fair. I did not. We have tried so to be free too. time. No. I, no, you're totally right. That sounded terrible. And I apologize. But I realized no, we, how it sounded. It. Yeah. No, I get it. Sorry. That was terrible. Uh, not my intention. I think all the smut has just completely confused me and I'm all scrambled inside and it was I'm just the flying terrible sex. things. It was the it flying sex. Yes. I'm so it, sorry. It was the two Ps. It's actually, this is all my fault. It, yes. In conclusion, this is all Nora's fault. I would say smut's giving is Nora's fault because she made me read that erotica. No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even one of the ones I told you to read. Yes, yes, basically. I just told or you. Less. It just happened to, to pop up. You were like, should I get uh, a Kindle Unlimited? Because I want to read actual smut. And I said, hell yeah. yeah. And then you were on your own. I from had there. no idea. I was. <laughs> yeah. And it was I've seen some things, man. I have thoroughly enjoyed Smutsgiving. I hope that everyone else has enjoyed Smutsgiving. I am thankful for Smut. Smut gives me a good laugh, a good... It's like a pep in your step. <laughs> a, good, a good pep in my step. Oh, God, that's just so dirty. Um... <laughs> oh, God. I am you also... need a break from your relatives. Let's <laughs> giving. Listen to our podcast. Read some Take smut. Some time for you. Yeah, you know what? Smuts giving is all about self care. That's right. <laughs> yes. All right. So this is not. This episode oh was gosh. not sponsored by Kindle Unlimited, but maybe they but should have consider been. sponsoring us. I would agree. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up our Smutsgiving episode. Thank you so much for listening. And we would love to hear your Smut recommendations on our Instagram account at mood.readers.podcast. That's it. All right. The end. The end. <laughs> Happy Smutsgiving, everybody. Happy Emily and Nora would like to thank Benji for the theme music. Follow at Mood Readers Podcast on Instagram and let us know if you've read any of the books we covered. We'll talk to you again at the next book club.